0: back we are back welcome everyone to match point number nine of tennis beds podcast i am one of three hosts here david ej Berger. you can follow our show handle at mp9 tennis on twitter instagram tiktok and soon enough youtube yeah that's right jumping into the youtube streets soon coming soon little preview at the top of the show if this is your first time listening chance to tell you found us welcome hello if you're a returning listener a returning champion welcome back with me as
1: always is my number one tennis talking bro derek derek hello Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope you guys have been having a good time watching the Rome tournament. I have been. And if you were listening to the last episode, I hope you got some good picks from us and hopefully we got some more for you. Absolutely. We kind of crushed
0: last time out. Someone who helped us crush is our man in Canada, Mr. John Reed. You can find his handle at Jared Tweets Tennis on Twitter. He writes for his own brand, Tidbits Tennis, the Action Network. Betting expert, Hammer HQ, and he does tennis form recaps. He's got a big game on the horizon and another niche sport tonight. John, what's uh, the, I feel like the excitement is palpable for another shot to stay alive in Toronto.
2: Well, I've decided to go with a different approach here. I'm going to give two reactions because most people are going to listen to this probably after the game happens. So, yes, they won. They're going to break our hearts in seven games like they're used to doing because that's what the Leafs do. That's if they've won game five. And if they've lost game five, uh, you know, no heart. They suck. Move on. See you next year. All right, so there you go. Now, if you listen to this on Saturday morning ahead of round three or round whatever for the, for the men, that's my reaction to the Leafs game.
0: There you go. I also am sweating the Lakers game tonight. Another mm-hmm. – Another big game and a bigger sport.
2: Our uh, our teams could go out in the Western Conference Final again, I see. And uh, because of that, for the first time since I was in high school, grew up loving Carmelo, I became a Nuggets fan. And so I have a, a deep hatred for the Los Angeles Lakers. I've never forgiven them for that Western Conference Final. In, like, what was it, 05? 06? Can't remember the year, but it pissed me off. Kmart, Canby, A.I. Sold my Iverson jersey, well-known Denver Nugget.
0: <laughs> I didn't know you were a... Uh... A nuggets fan i did i'm not sure i would have uh started this podcast (laughs) with you or brought you on this is the shocking information we've discovered here but that's all right john we we love having you here because you bring the analysis and you bring the winners for us this is a tennis betting podcast so we like to be transparent about what we talked about last time in a little segment we call what did we win what did we learn match play wins here how about nuno borges Versus Dusan Lyovic, plus four, plus one and a half sets at minus 120, plus 220 money line, cash it, cash it, cash it. Fondini Murray over 22, minus 110, over two and a half sets, plus 145, cash both those. That's five caches right off the top. Warinka money line at minus 155, cash it. Fuchovic money line at minus 130, cash it. Muller, minus four and a half against Edmund, cash it. Barrer money line, which I poo pooed, but John was steadfast in, cash it. Arnaldi minus three and a half versus Schwartzman, cash it. Ooh, that was a lot of cashing. And we have <laughs> one more: Pacero. Ramos over four and a half breaks, six total in that one, cash that one. Talked about that, looking for that total breaks market in that match. Now I did lose in that match. We'll pivot to what do we learn here? The losses: uh, Pascaro Ramos under nine and a half. Step one, go six four. Passero had two set points to to cash that and did, couldn't couldn't convert those. Sadly, of course, the next set went six one. The third set did go six four. So I mean, with the breaks, with all the breaks that we did anticipate, maybe the under was the uh, a bad angle because uh, guys are still getting games with the breakbacks. Gasquet, ooh, tough one. Goes up a set and then suddenly Woo figures out how to play on clay. I guess O'Connell. Gets redlined by Poprin. Baez over 21. Doesn't come in. Kachin loses in a third set tie break. Umber third set tie break loss. Could have easily been winners uh, for those dogs, but it was not meant to be. Pretty good uh, run for the pod there. One loss I should uh, add in here is my Corda outright. Uh, well, I was pushing him for the quarter, which did come out to 21, which I thought was a pretty good number uh, if he was able to get out of round one. Maybe he starts to slowly develop some, some form. No. No, no, no. Loses to Roman Civilian. Not only does he lose, he loses to a steamed Roman Civilian, who goes from the dog to a pretty heavy favorite. At like, minus 130 was, like, plus 100, and then, like, Corda was minus 120, good steam down to... Plus 110. When I saw that movement, I was like, that that means people really think Corda's hurt still. or just don't believe in him. I mean, conventional wisdom is, I guess, to fade these guys coming off injuries still, but uh, I hate seeing that. I hate that there was so much movement and then Corda just loses so easily for people like that. Very annoying to me.
1: You know, I was thinking about this morning, like, Corda lost in the first round at Madrid, and then he had the opportunity to play, like, one of three challengers. And he didn't play any of them. Isn't that exactly what somebody who has no match experience, except for what one match in CAO should be doing is playing a measly challenger, you know, get some experience under those feet and play some low level guys to get some confidence. But I don't know. I think that's kind of telling, I guess, in the end.
0: Yeah, I also was, like, desperately looking for any injury update information uh, from Corda. Once I saw that heavy line movement to see, like, what's what was going on with that. And, uh, yeah, no, of course not. Of C- course couldn't find anything. Couldn't even find, like, press conference quotes. I mean, can we get some more info? How do we access this stuff? John, how do you access any sort of media day stuff? <laughs> I mean, a lot of this is like uh, international. Yeah, maybe maybe there's like a, tra- like a translation barrier here for me, but it's you really got... tough to get
2: any update on these players. You got to go to like uh, UBI Tennis and then translate. You know, Google has translate now right on the page. Lequipe.fr is another good one. They have a full-time beat writer. Conte Moine uh, is like a full-time beat writer for tennis. So because tennis is obviously bigger in France pretty big sport so it's uh they they have a dedicated writer so find some international websites that might have some quotes i also use the tennis form ticker myself uh as a contributor there i they have all the uh they have a um a bot that generates all mtos from itfs all the way up so that's always nice to have so i have access to that kind of injury information but it's terrible because it's it's not a centralized sport the players are from all over the world they all have their own local papers right about their own players you don't have like a league website that has beat writers like the NHL has a beat writer dedicated for NHL.com for each team, or, you know, I guess local papers, but here we have 30 leagues or 30 teams in each league, all within North America. And it's all, they all speak English. So it's, it's tough, but because it's an international sport and an individual sport, it makes it tougher. I just think that like the PGA does a better job than tennis though. They are like heavily American, both based, like their tournaments are based in America and a ton of their players are from the English-speaking world. So I guess they have it easier than tennis does. But, I mean, they don't even make an effort, the ATP or WTA, to really get anyone on board writing, updating injuries. It's just the the fluff. Like, oh, the top-seeded player won in straight sets today. Yeah, no, no shit. It's like the things they report on are the things that everyone knows. The scoreboard? Oh, thanks. Holgeruna had a good match against Altsil Fields. Boy, I really needed to add information. I couldn't have gone to an app, scrolled, and checked the score. I really needed the website with dedicated paid writers to write about that. Brutal.
1: <laughs> like in the PGA, is are the injury reports self-reported or is there like a third party that reports that? Because I feel like if in tennis you have to self-report that, then it's going to be a bunch of Bill Belichick's just <laughs> running around and just like, oh yeah, Tom Brady's a game-time decision for the fourth season in a row.
2: Or the NHL, upper body injury, lower body injury, that's it. Yeah.
1: Well, MB, it has
0: literally been ruled out and played in the game before, so <laughs> NBA is not much better.
2: Yeah, I see. It's like, <laughs> I guess it happens in all sports then, right? But it's just, at least there's information that's made public, even though it might be inaccurate or it might not be true. At least it's there. But tennis just doesn't even get that first step right, you know?
0: Yeah, we talked about that last time, and I, I'm doubling down uh, off this quarter loss, which I mean, I only really liked it because the, the odds were super long.
2: Well, I mean, and- we knew he was, he, we knew he probably wasn't 100% anyway, like, it's his second match since, yeah. what's it called? Since like uh, the AO. So we, we knew that there was going to need be an adjustment period. I just thought, I backed against Cefuelin. I figured, you know, when, when it was at like plus 105, plus 110, I held off. It got to plus 130. I was like, okay, this is getting a bit much. Like he's a much better player, a better clay quarter than Cefuelin. And the implied probabilities are just shifting a little too far for me. It didn't work out, but he looked a lot better in the second set. He couldn't convert break points. He finally converted a couple break points, recovered the double break, and then lost in a tie break. He's now lost three tie breaks in four sets since getting back. It's it's tough.
0: That match might have set the record for quickest points on a clay court ever. That was literally <laughs> <laughs> like three shots, and the point was over. It was it was kind of crazy, actually. No one's even attempting to rally, or or they can't couldn't. It would just I just missed. We can move over to the bets, but uh, definitely we faded the Russian uh, in this next match. But let's pivot over to. Round two and even some round three bets here, guys. Keep the, the winning going. I counted up just now 13 and six on our last podcast. Pretty good. All right, guys. I'll, I'll kick it off. How about J.J. Wolf? Plus four, plus one and a half sets at plus 110 versus Hubie Hercash. Dream draw for the American with zero clay resume, right? Gets Halis out of the competition Withdraws. draws. Gets Grenier, right? Gets a win and straights. And now he gets Hubie here, Cash. And against Hubie, guess what? With that one win in round one, Wolf now has half as many wins here in Rome as Hubie does in four appearances at this event. Now, those exits aren't terrible. Loses two tie breaks to a more informed Gaffen Last year, retires down a set and break versus Musetti in 21. Beats Rublev and Evans before losing in three to Schwartzman. Then went on to beat Rafa. Made it to the finals in 2020. Lost to Kishmanovic in 2019. So respectable exits. On the Hercash resume at this event, but still of note, it's not like this is a a two-time finalist that Wolf has taken on. Uh, We've seen power really matter here on these slow courts, especially in that match, uh, that round one match with Grenier. Wolf was ending a lot of points. Now, Hubie is a deserved favorite here versus Wolf, but he's not coming in with his top form. It's going to be a slugfest. We've also talked in the past about Hubie's whole break percentage being a bit up here on clay so that's great for the poll uh, but i think wolf is def live at these odds i'll take the set here i'll take the plus four of course we're playing the set one over which is at one, 120 minus 120 for some reason you, you got to play the set one over with hubie when you get it at that price i mean hubie th- those have been feeling a little bit in, in recent times uh, on the clay calendar here but uh, i mean minus 120 i mean it's definitely a higher probability than minus 120 that Hubie
1: Cash, will play a first set tie break. <laughs> it's hit four out of six times on his, this clay season. There you go. One time it didn't hit. It was against center, too. So, I mean, he's not playing center here. Keep that in mind, too. I I think Wolf has a shot here. You know, Hubie
0: not exactly uh, dominating his opponents these days.
2: Yeah, it's... Hubie's just hasn't been playing that great this year in general. Slow clay is not his favorite. And I mean, Wolf, what impressed me in that first match was, was more about the patience. You can finish points. That's, that's great, but it's, you can finish points anywhere. The reason why these power players that, and guys that just try and hit, hit, hit struggle in these conditions is because more gets tracked down. And eventually the, the that lower margin hitting, leads to unforced errors so that's why they always say that's why point construction matters in these conditions you have to set the point up and then once you have enough space to hit through then you go for your big shot players who who know that tend to do well even on slow clay the players who like wolf in the past were just trying or papyrin's another great example or also is another great example these guys with huge power it's useful on clay but only if you're actually going to utilize it properly Right, if you don't, if you turn around and you're just trying to hit through everything, and you play like a carbayas by an and run it down, he's just going to wait for you to put one into the net with your flat hitting. Wolf was a lot better, especially inside out. When Grenier got anything with depth, he would just take it across. Like again, it, he'd hit his forehand inside out into the into the back corner with a good amount of topspin. Not this like heavy Casper rude Rafa Nadal type topspin. Nothing crazy. Right, he's a hard quarter, He's not going to develop that kind of clay court prowess. But at least it, it adds margin for error, right? It adds net clearance. so You're much like, less likely to hit an error. You get into some of those neutral rally exchanges. Grenier leaves a ball short. You pounce. You take it early. Take even more time away from him. And your next shot is through an open court. That's one thing that he hadn't done. And one thing Papirin really had to work on. Both of those guys, at least Papirin, we can say over a larger sample. Wolf, not so much. But at least you know, these guys are starting to recognize that you can't just try and use your power to hit your way through things like you can on Australian hard courts or on grass or even American hard courts uh, that aren't named Indian Wells, right? You can, you can use that power and just keep things short. You only have to hit two, three balls and eventually uh one's just going to rip through the court for a winner. So that's what I liked about JJ Wolf's game. And I think Hubie, his problem is he's a serve and push kind of guy. And that's all well and good, but he struggles to finish points, right? He's more of a counterpuncher and he's going to get that pace from J.J. Wolf, but if J.J. can take the pace off of his shots in neutral rallies and, again, add that margin for error, commit fewer errors, and just move Hubie around and then use his power, Hubie can't do that from the baseline back to him, right? And and these guys are both going to have strong serves. Hubie's says elite. J.J.'s isn't quite there, but I don't think he's that far behind Hubie Hercatch if he plays that same style he did against Hugo Grenier. That's a big if.
0: Might add the over here as well. But then again, what if Wolf wins in two randomly? I don't know. I'm Could all be seven, about six, that. Seven six
2: seven six and 2.
0: Uh, Lorenzo Sinego is taking on Yoshi Nishioka. Now, I want to fade Nishioka here. These two played in 2019 in similar conditions in Monte Carlo, went three, but the last set Sonego bagel them. He won the match by eight games. Neither guy has had a great clay season so far, but Yoshi def struggling more with only with his only wins being a revenge win versus Molchan and a poor form. David Goffin did get a set off center in Barcelona. Ultimately lost the match by six games though. I do think Yoshi can get some breakbacks here or get some breaks back here and maybe win a set as a result. Uh, but I do love Sonego here. I think he's going to be able to hold serve more. This one might be a total breaks prop match as well. Uh, I don't know if I want to go up to four and a half, but depending on what they offer, I think I'm comfortable laying the three and a half here with Sinego.
2: Yeah, the breaks of service are five and a half at even money total. If you if you want a player, then Senego's at three and a half at plus one ten, and, and Yoshi's at two and a half at, at even money. That's what I'm seeing so far. Uh I bet 365. The only book I use I think that has those kinds of uh props for me anyway. I, I, I don't mind that look, but I'm I'm with you. I I like Lorenzo Sinego. and I'm, I'm not a huge home soil guy. I just think that the French and Italian crowds, and I suppose the center court crowd in Madrid now. Um, can be factored into this when Spaniards play, but they're just rowdier uh, than a lot of other crowds, and they do come to day session tennis as well, which isn't the case at a lot of uh, events. You know, you'll here you'll get the nighttime route, the night the night crowds will be rowdy for Dennis or Felix or Bianca or whoever. The day crowd is kind of sparse, and there will be people with their Canadian flags, but they're a more tame, quiet crowd. You don't get that in Italy and and um and, and France especially. Italy was just rocking today. Even Court One, the you know the court that has Two courts and it's a like a rectangle around both. And you and you know you're, you're kind of all connected, the seating areas for both courts. They were rocking today, especially for yeah. Bublik and Shelton. So keep that in mind. Sonego probably does get a chance to feed off of that at least a little bit. Fonini has clearly been feeding off of that, but that's his benemo his whole career. Interested to see um, you know, how the crowd plays a factor here. But Yoshi's been in terrible form, throwing rackets, racket smashing throughout matches. His only win, I think, lately of kind of any significance was against, I guess, Molchan in Madrid and then Goffin in Barcelona. Goffin's been bad himself. Should have lost his first match here to Luca Nardi, who had, I think, five different points in three re- different return games to take a double break lead in the second before collapsing. And then Nishioka was down, I think, 2-5 to Goffin in that second set. So it's a straight set win. But again, context... He needed a bit of a choke job from Goffin in the second set to do that uh, in straight sets. Other than that, Galan beats him, and I have Sonego as a much better player than uh, Daniel Galan. Rublev handles him by six games, and Sinner beats him by, I think, six games, even though it went three sets. Like It's not just that he's losing. He is losing by margin right now, two good players. Sonego does have a serve, does have that forehand, has a, a bit of a heavy ball when he wants to to play with more margin. Definitely has the all, all the factors you'd want to to cover that minus three. It's a minus one twenty minus three, but that's a super tempting number, regardless.
0: Yeah, I was going to actually mention. I just looked it up. The three on Bovada is minus one thirty. That's actually pretty cheap uh, to get that, rid of the the half game. Stepping up from minus one ten to minus one thirty. Usually, it's like up to minus one forty five uh, to to get up there for that half game. So, I think getting off the hook is a is ideal here potentially uh, because. Well, here's what I think. Yoshi's going to get broken multiple times. Fact. It's just if Sinego can consolidate, keep those amount of breaks to cover. That's why I think maybe getting off the hook is ideal here. Roberto Batista Agut is playing the Italian Checanato. and I am going to play the over two and a half sets here mm. at plus 140. RBA is in bad form. Checonato would be the more in form of the two with seven wins and two losses since that's the real. Uh, but his wins are extremely suspect. I hurt Fokina, I hurt Fonini. Diego Schwartzman. Uh, Futrovich is a decent win in Madrid. His win this week versus uh, Mackey, uh, you know, Mackie's pretty beatable even on his preferred surface, uh, hard court. Certainly here on on clay, he still had to win those though, and he did. But he's lost to Vic Capriva and some guy named Bendito that
2: <laughs> the Ricardo just... Bonadio. But uh, those were before he start. He found his form in Estoril. Let's. You know, like that's who Checking is. That's what he does. That was in Santiago in March too. Like we're going back to March seventh. That's two months ago now. Uh, Still, I don't know. That's that's, that's I not mean, really applicable. I, don't I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold a, a loss from from two months ago at the challenger level against him when he's won like seven matches in the last month uh, against. I, I I'd argue decent competition. I'd argue that right now that is Roberto Bautista good a good better than Marton Fucsovics on clay right now. I'd say no. I think people will say, of course he is, man. He's a better pu-. okay, now or overall. I think if you want to talk grand scheme, sure. He's not that much better than Marton Fukshevics right now. I don't even know if he's that much better than Mackie McDonald right now on slow clay. Keep in mind he's also a counter puncher and he likes pace. Checking out does not give him pace. He's not a big hitter. He's a, a guy that's gonna pull you off the court with angles, especially on that one handed backhand, hit with topspin. Um, so that that's one thing. Two, he likes again, he Robert. Roberto Bautista Agut likes the quicker courts because when you counterpunch, use your opponent's pace against them and skid it through the court. This is going to eat up any pace you're counterpunching, and now he's got to be the aggressor. Plus, he's just been horrible this year. Current Bautista Agut, like in your power ratings, where do you have him? I don't have him as a top 50 player right now. He's not a top at right now. He's not a top 50 player. He beat Conte Alíke. That's a good win in altitude, but down a set needed a second break, second set tiebreak. Crushed up at the in slower conditions. Okay, I'll give him that. And then he barely beat Fat Phil. And he needed, again, he needed Fat Phil to be Fat Phil because it was two extremely grueling sets that he, you know, needed a 12-10 tie break to win the second in Monte Carlo. And then, you know, took advantage of poor fitness and beat him 6-1 in the third. That's, that's like, he just hasn't been very good this year. If this was a pick I, I I obviously wouldn't be making this case. But he's plus 160.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think there's money on the or value on the money line here. Uh, my my point with bringing up those matches from two months ago is there's a definite floor here for Chekanato. Now, I obviously oh know, low floor, yeah, yeah. And RBA is you know in a vacuum the better player. I don't know that Chekanato wins in straight sets. That's why I like the over two and a half here. And I'm a little scared that RBA will trend up and and win in the end. Um, but I don't think this is going to be an easy match for either player.
2: I believe this is also at night, by the way. A Friday night or Saturday night, raucous Italian crowd. Let's we'll see how that, that factors in. And again, the the conditions just get slower at night, right? Uh and a reason why I like Paolini against Rubakina. Unfortunately, there's no crowd there to help her because they all went home, which again, terrible look for the WTA. But uh, I, I have a feeling that because this is a seven like seven o'clock local and it's not the second match on and, and pushed back, I have a feeling that there will be a crowd for Cecchi Nato. And at night when you don't have the sun, I mean, the the slow courts just get slower because at least the sun and the heat make the courts more lively. You take the sun out of the equation, it gets even slower. And again, the slower the courts, the more it has to favor Cecchinato. Like, Bautista Agut is not a slow court. Well, he's he's an all-court player, but he prefers and has had more success historically uh, on quicker courts where he can just, you know, push and counterpunch that pace back at you. And he's not going to get either of those things in this matchup. So I'll take I'll take Cecchinato. I'm not saying Max Bedham. Like, you never bat Max, bat a Marco Ciccinato. <laughs> <Like that's, laughs> Absolutely the guy's not. Nuts. Uh, you know, I, there's something with Italians that like they could just snap and go crazy and lose 10 games in a row. Uh, exhibit A would be Ciccinato. Exhibit B would be Fabio Fonini. There's something about it. I don't know. But uh, but watch for that. And look at all the chokes, too, from, like, Luca Nardi and uh, Giulio Zepieti in the third set. A lot of capitulations from the Italians. Uh, in recent times so you might want to hedge too by the way if he does get up like a set and break this might be a spot where the rare spot where i'd advocate hedging uh if if you can get bautista to go to like plus 150 plus 200 because he is a warrior and you know he never gives up but you know when he's behind he doesn't it doesn't phase him he can absolutely come back from a set and break down
0: yeah that's why i kind of like the over more than the money line but you're, t- yeah. you're 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 talking me to the money line here
2: well, you know my, my go-to is what, right? Well, it, it's ML long, yeah, over, right? yeah, yeah. I, like, and, yeah, I and love this is,
0: that. And this is maybe like dog ML plus over sets versus like games. All right, the next match I want to talk about, Dan Evans is taking on Roberto carbaez Baena Robbie Cab? RCB.
2: Robbie Cabs.
0: Robbie Robbie Cabs. Robbie Cabs. could use a, a funky Robbie Cab tonight uh, with dinner.
2: Uh, all right. He should be Robbie Carbs, by the way. Oh, even better. because And because he can run all day. Yes. <laughs> Robbie Carbs.
0: <laughs> Evans has been a bit unlucky here in Rome, has had to play Hubie, Fritz, and Basil Ishvili in the first round of this tournament in the last three editions. Hubie and Fritz, obviously higher-ranked players, and Basel, a big hitter who was randomly informed the last couple of years on still courts before falling off a cliff. And uh, Now he gets a rematch against RCB, who he lost to in Marrakesh in three sets. He was awful in that third set, uh, but, RC, but RCB was also peaking a bit landing 92% of his first serves in that third set. RCB did land 78% of his first serves in his round one match, but weather could come into play here. Conditions might create some opportunities for poor serves. I'll take a shot on Evans gaming up for a a winnable match and getting off the schneid here in Rome, trying to stick around, doing what it takes in the end to to beat someone I think he can beat. I don't think this is a... Even if RCB is playing well, has been playing well... And is the more natural clay player. I don't think this is that tall of a task uh, at the price for Evans. Uh, But again, with John, I think this might be a dog
1: ML over combo uh, with Evans. Yeah, I'm already hesitant on this one. Dude, Dan Evans hasn't proved to me at all this season. Um, I'm taking a look at his match history now. Just because usually I, I don't look at this because I'm like, oh, yeah, dude, Dan Evans has been sucking. There's no possible way I'm even going to bet his match. Let's see it. Barcelona. Well, I guess he bowed out to Alcaraz in the fourth round. Had wins. Whatever. off Decent. Uh, Frankie Sarundolo. Yeah, I don't know. Still not convinced, though. I, I, I don't know. I would just steer clear of it. I'm not saying that Evans would wouldn't win, but I don't know. I, I I just don't feel comfortable betting Evans at all.
2: I kind of want to go with RCB here. And like the break props are so juiced. I mean, you're, it's like minus 120 for Evans over three and a half. Minus 190 for Carbazio Baena over three and a half. And then you're over six and a half for the match is like minus 150. I just feel like... I, if, if that minus 150 were to come down to like minus 135, that's like minus 130, that's playable at like six and a half, seven breaks total. If you're in a match, you're likely not more likely than not to see three sets, but there is a very good chance you go three sets. It is break. Uh, it is like a, a break heavy matchup. Evans has a sneaky good first serve, just not on slow clay. That kind of he he necessitates. Or requires, pardon me, he requires quicker hard courts or grass courts to have that serve play up. And it's why he likes quicker courts. One, the slice stays lower. It's infinitely more effective. And two, his first serve generates cheap points, which you just can't do on like the Roman clay courts here. Right? So to me, that that break prop looks nice. The price isn't there yet. So I, I wouldn't say bet it at uh, minus 150 for for over six and a half total breaks in the match. But keep an eye on it. If you have that prop available to you, if that does get a little bit cheaper, I would certainly get involved. As for the match itself, I mean Carbaia's buying in at minus 150 looks pretty enticing. But Evans is a guy who's just been like, he's he's been gutting out random wins. I throw Bar... I sorry, you can't throw Barcelona out the window. Like catching off and Cerundalo there are great wins. Mateo Arnaldi there by by the way, six four, six three, that's an excellent win as well. It's just he's not gonna get credit for it, Evans, that is, because Arnaldi's not as well known yet. But if you watch this match against Diego Schwartzman, that kid is has has some game, and he has some pop, and he could. He was hitting 150 kilometer an hour. I don't know what that is, About 100 mile an hour forehand winners last night against Schwartzman was nearly untouchable on serve until you know the late second set when he got a little nervy as as it came time to potentially close the match out. Diego got him, but after like other than that, he was so good on serve against a guy that's everywhere makes a ton of balls and loves slow clay courts even if he's out of form. Credit to Evans for those three wins, but then he got his ass kicked in Madrid by Mm -hmm. Carbaez Baena. He got dominated by Alcaraz. He lost to Ilya Ivashka, which for me, like we give you credit, for you get, you know, give him credit for Hachinov or Sarindolo. He loses credit for one of those by losing to Ivashka on Slow Clay. Like one of those is wiped out. They offset. You lose credit. Gone. It it never happened. You never beat Francisco Sarindolo in Barcelona because you lost to Ilya Ivashka. That's how I see it. Um, I don't know. I Probably stay away from me. Honestly, it's a 5 a.m. match too. I'd rather just... Bet the stuff where I'm going to wake up and watch it.
0: <laughs> All right. Fair enough. You know I love a good RCB fade, so I'm back in my bag. <laughs> I'm back in my bag here. All right. Born of charge is taking on Diego Montero uh, here in round two. Uh, I watched almost a carbon copy of this match in the opening round of Monte Carlo. When George lost to Nico Jari, 6-2, 6-3. Big serve forehand combo like Montero is going to bring into this match. Uh, aside from that run last week in Madrid, George has been awful. He had lost five straight matches going into that event. Uh, here's his other wins this year. Two wins against Arthur Rinderknech, a three-set win over Kakanaka's team in Davis-Novak at Davis Cup, a first-set retirement win against Dan Evans in Dubai. Uh, that's... Not that impressive. Uh, now, if you want to say Torch is trending up, I don't know. It's just going to be a different week than Madrid last week. So, uh, you know, Torch is going to have to... Uh, he's not going to be helped by the elevation. Uh, Montero actually beat Torch during the 2020 Golden Swing, 6 7-6 in Buenos Aires. Now, Montero did retire in the second set of his Challenger match last week with elbow pain, uh, but he was down a set in 4-2. Maybe he just is like, screw it. I'll, I'll rest up for this one. This and he saved another- the
2: money on that, by the way. I had him... Minus games and one, it hadn't like the outcome hadn't been officially determined yet. And two pinnacle voids anyway, like all the other books, if, if you bet minus three and a half and it's impossible to hit, they'll, they'll take the cash and they'll grade it a loss. They'll also do it the other way around too, to be, to be fair, but like pinnacle just voids everything. That's not money line. Uh, if the match doesn't finish. So thank you, Tiago for that. And yeah, I wanted to say absolutely. If he has even the smallest bit of pain, he is someone who will go to a challenger, feel a tweak and be like, no, I'm out. He doesn't. He doesn't care about them that much, and he just absolutely beat down Manorino. That's a minus three and a half, by the way. It actually got some. There were people steaming Manorino plus three and a half in the first round because I got I got terrible CLV, like I got negative CLV out the wazoo on Montero minus three and a half. Don't know how, but I did.
0: Um, what do you think about Montero? I'm trying to find a way, the best way to play Montero in this match, John.
2: So, like, I. I, I I want to agree. I've just got a couple issues. One, Chorich like you know I feel the same way as you do about these random runs. Last year though, this is what he he did this last year with Cincinnati, but he actually didn't just disappear like I thought he did. I kept, I keep saying it on the pod, but he actually beat her catch in City Pass in Vienna as an underdog. He beat Comte Ali, which you know, last year Ali was still really good but we hadn't given him credit for it so we saw it continue this year it, that's still a very good win he lost to Denis Shapovalov though which again that's another one of those oh, you get you lose one of you lose one of your wins for that loss uh kind of deal when you get baggled by Shapovalov and then he loses to like Moutet in Paris and then he goes on his his crazy losing streak so the question is do you believe this is a pattern with Borna or is the pattern that he does really well at one masters event plays two or three really good events after that and then disappears again is it because Cincinnati was quick courts, Tokyo are quick courts, Vienna's are, Vienna is on quick courts, and like his forehand is awful. So if he's on a slow court, his serve doesn't play up, right? He needs that to happen because he doesn't have a big... He has a, a strong serve, but not a big, big serve. And as a result, when you get to Cincinnati courts, you get to the altitude of Madrid, he can find cheap points with him. When he can't, and he, and he hits a second serve, and guys just pound it back to his forehand wing it's just forced air after forced air after forced air. And I kind of feel like that's why we're, we're seeing a difference between, you know, the, the medium to medium, fast to fast courts with him and everywhere else or quick conditions like Madrid. He was always a clay quarter before his injury, his prolonged injury. Uh, Although I think he's had more success across his career on hard courts, but he was when he was coming up considered to be a clay quarter hasn't panned out. I think it's because of that slower court issue so I, I do think there's reason to dislike it. Then again, on a matchup basis, the Montero heavy topspin forehand and, and power forehand is coming into his backhand. His When, it, when, it, when you're in cross-court rallies, that's his strength. So you don't really have that advantage that you would hope for with that lefty. And Borna of Georgia, if there's one thing he does, it's play extremely solid tennis from the baseline. What's the one thing Montero doesn't do? Play yeah. extremely solid tennis from the baseline. So there's a matchup here that really favors Chorich. Is it to the point where I think Montero should be plus 200 and above? Probably not. And that's why I I still want, like I still tend to want to agree with you on this one, but I think you're right. I think trying to find the best way to attack it as opposed to just hitting, um, you know, your, your dog money line is probably the smart move because there are matchup concerns in this one as well. Yeah. I
0: mean,
1: go ahead. isn't Montero typically pretty good on slow courts too. And then I'm looking at his match history over at, Rome, and he's never made it out of the first round. This is the first time he has. Yeah, well, I've faded him twice in this podcast for not going
0: far at both the U.S. Open and Miami, and he's ate my lunch on both those bets. So I'm not factoring <laughs> into those uh, in his lack of success into a tournament anymore. Montero, I, I you you can you can do well in tournaments you haven't done well at before. I I, I <laughs> white flag is raised.
2: Yeah it's 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 a funny one cuz like he is not a form player but when he gets into a uh like rhythm in a week we saw this at the challenger tour a couple of years ago i think he he was just really struggling to find put the ball in court and then all of a sudden bam he he made the final of an event and just couldn't miss anything and when he can when he's playing like he can win eight shot eight nine shot rallies on clay like watch out cuz he does have pop and he's got a big game it's just that consistency has always eluded him
0: I'm gonna go with plus one and a half sets here and minus one thirty. I don't love laying the juice, but I think he's can I think he's pretty live to get a set here. Uh probably through a tie break. He did this with Kubler in Miami. He almost took a set off uh, FAA uh in Miami as well. Uh I think he can generate some break points here against Torich, uh with with the lower holds here at this tournament. I don't know that I trust him. To win this match outright. Um, you know what? What about Montero 20 plus 450?
2: <laughs> if you're gonna go, go big. Right? Yeah. What about okay?
1: You really flipped that decision quick first Well, you're now like, I'm like, oh. if he's
0: gonna win, what's the odds <laughs> I, on that? I'll think-
1: take a I'm- set. I don't think you can win. Holy shit. <laughs> well, what I don't about wanna I also don't
0: wanna lay juice though. Like, that's why I love the the set bet with uh Wolf, because it's plus one ten. It's a great price. I think he's definitely more live than plus 110 I I also could see you know a, a fair amount of uh variations of this match where torch wins in straight sets so
1: okay are you hey, doing like a full unit on 20 or are you doing just to win it two units or sorry to win one unit
0: um I would say a unit and a half uh for the the set if I was gonna do the the minus 130 I would go a unit and a half if uh the, the 2o I would just do like a half unit or something like that um I, I, I'm more confident in him being alive for a set than I am him pulling out a two-set win. Uh, but a plus 450, I do think that's... I mean, we he literally beat this guy in straight sets before. Um, and George has been pretty stinky last one week. So... Yeah. wonder where am I landing on this.
1: <laughs> you tell <laughs> us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's go big. We don't lay juice here. We go big. 2-0 Montero for half a unit, plus 450. All right. Let's keep it moving. I got one more here to talk about uh, for me, and that's uh, Zapata Morales versus Jason Kubler. Our guy, McCubler, uh, won his opening match. Like I said, we missed that one. Uh, Zapata's minus 165 on the money line here. Uh, I feel like I just lived through this with Zapata versus McDonald. In Madrid, it was a good chase on the money line in the Madrid conditions. McDonald had two match points on return, but now he's but now Zapat is playing the Australian version of Mackenzie McDonald and Kubler, which Kubler has been playing actually like up. I would say more than McDonald on tour. He's been a a way more consistent, way more um, added a lot more wins. uh, I would say over like the last ten months than McDonald has. Um, But you could argue this money line should be way higher uh, than it is. Yes. Uh, Especially that uh, the disparity in in clay prowess here.
2: You say you could argue. I say you should argue that this price is ridiculous. Dating back to last year and get rid of the green clay and ITF crap. I don't want any of that crap. Um, Green clay is a totally different thing. And even then he didn't beat anyone in green clay last year either. So which plays quicker Kubler likes quicker courts. I mean, the, you said, it's funny you said that because I think I just lived through this with Kubler against Lajevic when Lajevic was in form, had days off because he didn't have to play qualifying, went to Madrid and Kubler, and he's like minus 150 against Kubler and I'm like, did Kubler become a clay court specialist like Lajevic overnight and I missed something? And then I looked up his, his results and I'm like, no, nope, no he didn't. They're just, for some reason, believing in Jason Kubler. Is he improved? Yes, and I think that's the point you're making and I think it's the point you made about he plays up on tour a bit more consistently in general is probably why the markets have, are giving him some respect. I don't think he deserves. Uh, I, I don't know if he's a hard court specialist or or a quick court or whatever you want to call it. But the fact is the French Open last year, he beat Ricardo Bonadio, who <laughs> not the best in three sets. He needed a third set tie break and came from a set down in quality speed. Radu Albot. I think I've made my feelings well known on Radu Albot on slow red clay. Then he beat Pedro Sosa, who, by the way, is retiring at some point in the next few months. Then he beats Dennis Kudla. I actually was on that match, by the way. I had minus three and a half games. He beat Kudla six, six, and six. But I also had the minus one and a half sets and minus two and a half sets. So like those cash. So I made money on the match. But he could barely get by Dennis Kudla on slow red clay and then got handled pretty easily by Nori. You fast forward to this year. Again, let's take out the quicker clay stuff. Houston, uh, Verdasco, not impressive. Even if we include it, Galan is probably his one good win. Then he loses to Tiafo. He beats Hong and Tunglin Wu in Sarasota and gets his ass kicked by Mahach. Beats Danny Rincon. And I think he pushes the spread against an 18-year-old who's not informed prospect or like 20-year-old. Not in form prospect, but you know, not even a challenger level player at the moment. Then he gets his derriere booted by Muzetti. Gets his ass kicked by Lajovic where he was overvalued. Now he beats Marc-Andrea Huesler on slow clay, not like that, isn't an altitude, and he needed three sets to do it. What has Kubler done to earn this respect? I, I don't understand. To me, this has to be like you've, like, for me, this is a Zapata Mirais in, in multiple, multiple capacities, right? Like, I'm going to be on the money line, I'll probably look to sell games. I think uh, Unibet allows you to sell games right now, plus 165 for minus four and a half. The regular spread of minus two and a half, the minus one and a half sets, anything I can get like that, I'm probably going to look to uh, to play.
0: I'm going to stick with money line because McDonald did cover in that match, uh, so I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll I'll stick with the I think depressed money line here. Um,
2: he can also play down to his competitions about that too, which is kind of no- annoying. But my numbers just have this a lot different than the, than the market does, so I got to find a way to get some money down on this. All right, those are the
0: matches I have. John, do you have anything on your card you want to talk about?
2: Yes. Um, Well, actually, the things I had circled, I wanted you to go through yours first because a lot of them were the same ones. Like, uh, Zapata was the big one. How about Did we talk Nuno Borges and Steph pass yet? No, that's a good one to get into. I feel like the under here is probably a really good look at... Like, even going to minus 125 to get that half game to under 20 and a half and just, like, split half your stake between under 20, under 20 and a half. This is a tough match for Nuno. Like, people are, well, he didn't play that well in Madrid. Yeah, Madrid, you can rush Steph's backhand, okay? Like, Struff did it to him. Even Baez, who has a sneaky serve, first serve, he backs up his first serve pretty darn well, and he went to altitude. Again, that week, he actually was playing okay. This is much more in Steph's wheelhouse. If you don't have power, and you don't have altitude what are you doing to hurt Steph? I mean, if I'm going to predict an outcome, I have, like, if I were to predict an exact score, I would actually go with, like, six two six three or six two six two here. Those are the most common scores that uh, my numbers spit out to me. So when I see that the under is 20, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like Nuno Borges. I root for the guy. He's a hard worker. He went to college. I think he was an NCAA champion. Maybe not. I, either way, I think he went to, to the college route. And he's worked his ass off on his game. You are not on slow clay without a weapon to be seen, only five games worse than Steph Sitsi Pass. That like 6'4, six, 6'4 four, six, four should not be a push on an over on a total with you. You've got like a challenger tour caliber guy against one of the best in the world on slow clay. It's that's not right. And I mean, this is one of the things where there's a lot of respect for Sitsi Pass. He's minus a thousand on the money line. I think the respect is there. Moneyline wise, but then the, the derivative markets aren't correlated quite enough. If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, Nuno won four games versus Alcaraz. Um, now you can say that Steph is not Alcaraz. That's fair, uh, but so that give him I, two more. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: And uh, if you're still covering by two games on the under twenty. You know what I mean? Like, is 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 Steph? four games worse than Alcaraz in this particular matchup, not head to head with Alcaraz. That's a different matchup in this particular matchup. Is he really four games worse? Probably not. Is Alcaraz always going to beat him two and two? Probably not. Like there's a lot of bashing. There's a lot of different factors, but I mean, yeah, I'm with you. That's, that's another good point. Like Steph is of that caliber that, that should destroy this kid, unfortunately. And again, like I said, I root for the guy, but like <laughs> I'll root for him. But in this case, like money's money and kid, you're getting your ass kicked. I may as well make some money off of it, you know?
0: It's yeah, true. I'm
1: all over this match too. I'm just deciding whether I want to take the 5 games with Steph or I want to spend just a nickel more for the under 20 and a half. Uh I think I'm going to stick with the 5 games to be honest. At minus 130.
2: And if Nuno steals a set from Steph, you know he's just trucking him in the other two. Yeah. So might, you might you'll want to have six. some minus 5 in your in your pocket there for sure what about
0: Holger Runa this is round three so we're jumping a bit He's four and a half game favor against Fabio Fanini um under 20 and a half as well I like both of those and we'll be playing both of those he will destroy Fanini
2: well I mean he I was I almost took out so Phils today I really did I had a I had a lot of heavy underdogs today and it's why you know I'm down a little bit and that's going to happen when you play, you know, plus 600s and, and plus 300s and a whole host of them. Um, I almost played fields too. I I stayed off and holy cow, did Holger just dust him. My issue is Fabio is not hurt. I'm sorry. I watched the catch match. He didn't face a break point. Like that guy is just not just fine. I don't want to say just fine, but look, I, I was, that was a heavy part of my handicap against catch. It's not there. He he looks okay. And if he looks okay, he's got the shot making to beat anyone. I mean, literally anybody. He has beaten a doll before. Like he's he's got a compact swing too. So he can be deceivingly quick as, as the ball gets to him. He can just out of nowhere decide, I'm gonna go now. And he's got racket speed through the hitting zone that is tremendous. And so if you're sitting there and you're like trying to time his shots up and he decides to take it half a second early. You're in trouble because he can catch you flat-footed. It's something he does really well. He makes, he defends well when he's when he's healthy and he cares. And his shot making is is probably like outside of Alcaraz. It it might be the best on tour right now, considering Rafa's out and may not come back for a while and and is old anyway. I can't think of like a pure shot maker that has the ceiling of Fonini that's not named Carlos Alcaraz. And so I'm concerned, like, he he does, the Italian crowds, he's always done this, by the way, he said this in Rio, too, when there's not a crowd there, he plays differently, right? Nick Kyrgios, another guy who feeds off emotion, you have to factor it into your handicap. It's a narrative for most players, for certain players, it is absolutely, like, true, and they'll tell you it's true. And that's what concerns you, man, it was, they put him on court one or Petrangeli today in the day session, the place was overflowing, people couldn't get in to watch the match, I have a feeling he'll be, especially against Holger Runa, one of the best young players in the game, he'll be on center court as long as he can keep going. And Runa has had trouble with, with bad crowds. We saw it in Madrid against davidovich Fokina. Um, that concerns me because these, these guys are going to be as raucous as Madrid was. I don't think they'll be as rude and, and disrespectful over a, a such a small issue like the Madrid crowd was. They were terrible, like objectively bad crowd. But it's still not going to be easy and... I don't he hasn't dealt with that necessarily well in the past. It
1: could right, be mean too. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were just tore Runo apart in that thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well,
0: maybe I'll remove the under 20 and a half, but I, I will be laying the four and a half. Uh I, I mean, beating Andy Murray off a, a long week where he won a title, beating a complete fraud that is Kashmanovich, I don't really give a stock or credit to and uh, Rune is just a, a massive step up here for funny. I I, I mean, I know for a fact that Rune is going to win one set six two, at least so I'll leave the, the four and a half
2: and that's the thing too is is I was going to say you have a chance to cover that in three sets because look what Finiti did against Murray. He actually got I think one of the breaks back but he was down in that second set um, and he was hurt whatever that's what he does. He can pout. Bublik did it today. These these emotional guys can just pack it in and say, "Let me just go to the third and figure and re like recompose myself and get back in the match." If so, if Fonini wins a seven six marathon set, gets down four one in the second, and he knows he doesn't have the energy of Runa, he might just say, "Give him the one six. Let's conserve as much as we can." He's that type of player, and so your under could be screwed by a competitive Fonini. But ironically enough. You could absolutely get a lopsided set in your favor with um, with Holger because of kind of Fanini's just disposition on court.
0: Uh, quickly back to round. No, this is round three as well. Uh, obviously, I'm going to back Popperin versus uh, Roman Cephalian at minus 125. I-, I think Roman is not good, and uh, I think that's reflected uh, by the fact that he looks like he's a club player out there. I mean, he looks like me playing a tennis match, <laughs> wearing a brandless T-shirt. Uh, I mean, this is—I I, don't—I'm not a big poppering guy, but he is a, a a massive step up in class from Roman civilian
2: to me. Yeah, on this too, no, I agree there. Yeah, I, I think that that's like—I'll I'll keep fading. He's the one this year that'll take my money. I've—I've. I've... Shifted gears on fields and slowed down the fades. I've done the same with Popier, and I actually backed him against Ojeel Yassim, uh, who doesn't like slow clay courts, who hasn't played a slow, slow clay court event yet this year, and even an altitude where his serve plays even more. He lost his first match. That was a nice little fade spot. But on on Safiul, I'm just I'm just not going to concede that the, the game is not sustainable on slow clay. So I'll go ahead and uh, and join you on that for sure. And like I said, I've also liked the progression of of and I've I've been really impressed with the way he's he's kind of adapted to clay this year versus normal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Now we're just kind of uh, freestyling here, uh, but let's walk through some, some matches uh, and do maybe, maybe lightning round as we're running out of time. What do you think about the three games with Taylor Fritz versus Yana confident? Is this uh, a, a trap spot here for Fritz? Not necessarily better, but for no. Fritz, is this going to be, a t- I, oh, I don't yes. like confident. I think he stinks. Um, But he does have a serve that can play up. I don't know.
2: I'd back Fritz He's too. also on fire right now. Although, I mean, not against, you know, Taylor Fritz level competition. But, like, Fritz hasn't been that great on slow clay. Outside of Monte Carlo, randomly. But even last year in Monte Carlo, three sets to beat an aging Chilich. Don't think he covers there. He's, like, right on the borderline of covering. Sneaks by Corda, Loses to Davidovich for Kina, And he barely beat Luka Katarina. You know, uh, uh, on ITF wildcard from Monaco. He beats, he needs five sets to beat Santi Rodriguez Taverna at the French Open, then loses outright to Zapata Miralles badly in the second, third, and fourth. Okay, well, he's improved. Well, like, has he again this year? Monte Carlo, a good run, beat Sitsi Pass. Once again, looks okay, but then he goes to Madrid, wins two matches. He really should. Needed a tiebreak in both of them, and then coughs up the, the match to Zhang Zhizhen and Munich, which is also played at altitude where his serve should play. He needed to come back from a set down on his mark on beat a completely out-of-sorts Dominic, team, and then lost to Bodekman to Like, nah, I'm going to be with Humpman here because Hompman has the heavier, like, has the heavy shots. He's got a serve to to bail him out if he needs it. He's got clay comfort, went to the Houston semis as a qualifier, went to the Madrid third round as a qualifier, lost a, a, a pretty bad match to Altmaier. But now he's come through here and has looked pretty decent. Like he beat Hugh Grenier by four games, which is what you'd expect. He beat Nico Hadi, which I didn't expect at all. Um, I'll probably back Hoffman here at, at, at plus 180. Not like three unit. I'm not going to go big on it. It'll probably be just a standard play. But I'm not sold on Taylor Fitz yet.
0: What about Matteo Arnaldi, who I agree with you, is going to be a welcome addition to this tour. I think he's a really fun player to watch uh, with a lot of talent. Uh, maybe not like high end when a slam talent, but certainly uh, week by week, which is, uh, you know, long ass <laughs> tennis calendar year. Uh, definitely going to be some spots where this guy's going to shine on this tour. He's plus 212 against Lorenzo Musetti, uh, who ticked up a little bit uh, recently, went over Djokovic, some other wins to his name after stinking up uh, the, this year. Uh, for, Do you for think he beats Djokovic
2: if they play again this week? I'm going to go out on the limb and say hell no.
0: Hell fucking no. He shouldn't have won the first time.
2: Right? Like Djokovic's serve by the end of that match was down, I think, 20 or 30 kilometers an hour. Legitimately. That's what he, and he, and he still needed like a 6-4 third set to get that done. I, I would say, I, I want to say not to take away from the win, but it literally is to take away from that win. Right? Like, sorry. Uh, not it's the sorry. biggest
0: fraud win in sports history, potentially.
2: <laughs> I mean, he beat Ketchmanovic, who we know, and we talked about earlier in the chat. He has a ceiling of, like, solid 250 player outside of that. He's just not going to be good enough at this level. Loses to Yannick Hoffman in Madrid, and then loses to Sitsipas, who really was the much better player throughout. And somehow, like, he got a set, which is a testament to Muzetti. But, you know, got his ass kicked by Sinner. Was handled by Cetti Pass, even though it was only a three-game win and took three sets, and then he loses to Homburgman, as a big favorite in Madrid. I don't know. I like. I'm not sold. I just. I think that Arnaldi should be about plus one eighty to two hundred here still. So I, I. I don't know. I don't know if there's room to make a play, but don't be surprised if Arnaldi, if he can really again hit those hundred mile an hour forehands inside out into the, um, the one handed backhand of Musetti, even on these slow courts. Musetti will have the chance to hit those downline and redirect those, but they're not going to be easy. They're heavy and they are, they are, they are powerful. And if Arnaldi can kind of work his way into that or work his way to that kind of um, goodness gracious. If Arnaldi can work his way into that kind of pattern and consistently try and take advantage or seize control and not let Muzetti dictate play, he might have a chance there. It's a match you got to watch though, for sure. That'll be a fun one, and it's, again, a night match um, between two Italians. Ho- like Hopefully, they all stick around for that match because that'll be really cool.
0: Uh, in support of the Arnaldi side, I mean, you look at some of these losses that Mustetti has had this year, mostly on the Golden Swing. I mean, Leheshka, uh, Munar, Jari, Boreas, uh, Muller. I mean, these are all like clay grinders. Uh, which Arnaldi is in that uh, archetype uh, as well. So, uh, I mean, Musetti is ticking up. I, I do expect him to not stink, uh, like those other matches I just spoke of, but certainly, uh, gonna be a tall order for him. He, he's gonna have to, to play well because Arnaldi is not going to let him off the hook here.
2: Right. And the thing about Matteo, too, is like, Like a lot of the young Italians, Passaro's like this, uh, Caboli is like this. His game can go haywire. So if if he's not, like, I'm not, I would strongly advocate taking the money line or the over and not the plus games. Because if he's off, lopsided sets could very well occur. Like, you might end up with a 6-1, 5-7, 6-3 Muzetti win and your over hits, uh, but your games don't really come all that close. And that would be the big concern with with some of these uh, younger Italian players that have pop.
0: Okay, last two to talk about here, back to round three. Laszlo Gera. are we going to fade Gareen once again at even money or at pick versus Gareen? I feel like I want to do it.
2: Yes. Hell yes. I, I took everything I had not to fade with Tommy Paul today. I did my patron preview last night, and I, I said it was a matter of I don't know the staking yet, and I woke up this morning. I wanted to figure out the staking. And Paul dropped from plus one twenty to even money. I was like, "Oh my god!" Now I don't have to not have to bet it. There's some times where I just see a number. I'm like, "This this is a bet that my numbers say I have to make. I can reduce the staking with my judgment, but I'm like, I still like I still want to bet it. When I woke up this morning and the, and the number had dropped twenty cents, I was like, "Perfect! I'm out. I'm out. I am not playing that anymore." And thank God because that would have been one hell of a tilting loss with Tommy. This is a spot where I want to. Lazlo Jerry looked great against Boric van Zandschall. Yeah. Kind of schooled him in baseline exchanges. Gimme Lazlo here. I just think he's the better player. I don't think he makes as many unforced errors either. and has a bit more pop to his to his forehand um than Lasz- than uh, Christian.
0: Another one you might want to take a peek at the over two and a half sets here because these guys um both are slow starters. Uh okay, last one for sure this time is Marton Fucevic plus 171 money line dog against cam nori who has done nothing uh on this regular clay swing all of his clay success has been in the golden swing Fuchevich, he seemed like perfect conditions for him uh also cam nori though too uh but john i know you're not a big fan of nori on clay and this is true slow clay here what do you think i mean that's pretty long here for for Fuchovic. what's even the like set one money line uh, plus one forty. I wish that was a little taller, but um. But yeah, I mean, seems like Fucovich uh, is going to generate some break points here versus Nori.
2: Yeah. Uh, also, Nori pounded Alexander Mueller today. I guess you know not. I want to say to be expected because I w- I had Mueller. I had him uh, over two and a half breaks. I thought that was he may not win, but he'll be able to break Nori because he's got a super consistent game. They're going to play longer rallies and Nori just pummeled them. It was nuts. That said, I said, I still think, you know, now he gets another very solid baseliner in Marton Fuchsievicz, not necessarily a clay quarter, but neither is Cam Nori. And I just think, again, there's going to be a lot of neutral 50-50 rallies in this.
1: Hmm.
2: And I just, I don't think that it justifies Nori being a huge favorite. It's a ranking slash name recognition um, kind of deal, and so I will consider fading. I'm not going to commit to fading, but I'll consider it for sure.
0: All right. Well, there you go. All right, guys. Well, we've said it all on round two and some of round three here. You can find John at Jarrett Tweets Tennis at Tibbets Tennis. You can find Derek at Ferrer versus Nagal. You can find our show handle at MP9 Tennis on almost every social media platform these days. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform until next time early next week. I want to say Monday or Tuesday. See you on the court.